welcome to the Seeing Deep podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. We've been talking about real gratitude this month, not fake gratitude that vanishes when life becomes challenging. No, the real deep down abiding place where we know we have it better than we deserve, even in those hard places. Here with me to talk about how God's goodness impacts our gratitude this week is Morgan Sugg, the author of Forever in My Goodness. As well as being a wife, mother, writer, and speaker, Morgan earned her bachelor's degree in communications, public relations, and has a master's in organization leadership. She and her husband, Brad, are the associate pastors at Friendship Church in Frisco, Texas. She is the founder of FlourishGathering.co and the Passover Project. You can learn more about those at www.flourishgathering.co and the www.thepassoverproject.org. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Denise, thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here with you and your listeners. I am so excited to have you, and this topic is near and dear to my heart. You know, as a worship leader, there's a lot of songs that I pick that talk about the goodness of God. And often when I'm leading those songs in worship, I'm struck by the fact that I think a lot of people aren't believing what they're singing because, you know, life and its problems can distract us. And so I think being having our mind informed with God's goodness helps us to be better worshipers and living out the gospel message. So the scripture for this episode is taken from Psalm 116, verse 12. How can I repay the Lord for all the good he has done for me? You know, gratitude is a response to God's goodness. And yet, so often we can be like the nine lepers who Jesus healed, who did not say thank you to Jesus in Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. But the one who returned to thank Jesus felt a debt of gratitude. How can I repay the Lord for all the good he has done for me? Mark, I think one of the reasons many people don't recognize the significance of God's goodness is simply because they don't see that God is good or really know what that means. So I'm looking so forward to unpacking with you what God's goodness is in this week and next week's episode. So can you share with us what led you to write your book? Yeah, um, I I love that you said, you know, um, you think that people don't recognize the significance of God's goodness because they don't see that God is good or really know what that means. And um, I experienced this in, in my own life. I, I grew up a believer. Um, I experienced a tragedy when I was in a young teenager and this tragedy altered my worldview, but ultimately altered the view I had of, of God. And I didn't really realize how it affected me until I was much, much older. And um, this misunderstanding really was a misunderstanding of his goodness because I didn't know that he was still good in the darkest moment of my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's people misunderstand his goodness. They have these questions like, 
how could a good God let that happen? Or why do good things happen to bad people? Or why do bad things happen to good people? And why does God allow this? And it's a, we all want to grasp his goodness, but it seems so hard to understand. And so this book was really birthed out of my journey to freedom and understanding, trying to grasp his, his goodness and see that he was still good, even in those dark moments. And um, we all want these really big answers, but sometimes we don't dive into topics like, God's goodness, because it seems so overwhelming. And we might be afraid of what we, we will we'll find. And I felt that way as I started to dive in and write this book, but I knew that he was, I knew that he was good and he would give me good answers, but it felt, um, it can feel overwhelming as we dive deep into God's character. Um, like if, even if we dove into love or different things like that, it's, it's um, overwhelming, but it is, it is um, who he is. And he wants to reveal deeper um, more in-depth things about who he is to us because that draws us into closer relationship with him. And so this book is really um, written out of, you know, my journey to see his goodness in the darkest moments and sort of the revelations that took place in God revealing who he was to me. And the book is um, one that I think lays out God's goodness um, and this seemingly large topic in a very... Um, easy format to read and to sort of grasp so that you can gain some traction and understanding this very deep thing of God, of who God is. Amen. Well, and again, the name of the book is forever in my goodness. Mm -hmm. And I love how you put this journey to freedom, mm -hmm. you know, because I think a lot of times it feels counterintuitive. Like you're saying, you know, wait, how can you call God good when he is allowed these things. And, and like you, I've had those dark places where I have, you know, had those doubts rise up. And I believe the enemy uses that to try to accuse God in our own minds. Yeah. But you mentioned surrender as a key to you discovering God's goodness. Mm -hmm. What is it that we have to let go of in order to see God's goodness? I think, I mean, I think letting go of a it could be a number of things that you might have to let go, but surrender is key because for me, I had to let go of um, the traumatic event that I was holding on to. I had to let go of the concept of that I was in control because I didn't have any control that day. So I did everything I could to control everything else in my life moving forward. And I had to surrender that I was not in control and that God was in control that day and, and every day. And, but it can mm. be different for everything. We surrender those moments. We surrender our mindset. We surrender. I mean, I was a believer when this happened. So I had already surrendered my heart, but um, that, you know, God wants to dig deep and he wants us to surrender every part of our life. And it's even, even surrendering moments, like I said, that, that kind of shake us and, um, and surrendering mindsets that, kind of maybe wrapped up in something that they shouldn't surrendering lies we may have believed. Um, but surrender is key. And the Holy Spirit is good to reveal to you what it is that you're holding on to that you need to let go of so that he can take you to that next place and he can show you something new about who he is. Wow. You know, you, you have me with this surrendering your mindset because uh, I don't know if you know that I have a book coming out next year called Make Up Your Mind. Wow. And it is about overcoming negative mindsets. But I think the thing is people feel powerless mm -hmm. to be able to surrender that yeah. area or, or to even surrender the trauma because it's almost like it has them. 
in this dark place. And so what, how do, what does that look like? How do you surrender trauma or surrender your mindset? I think, you know, surrender is a lot like forgiveness. People always want to know, how do I know I've truly forgiven somebody? How do I forgive something so difficult? I think surrender is very much like that. It's a, it's something you sometimes have to do daily. Every morning I wake up and when my prayer time, I'm going to surrender this moment. And when that moment, and I'm driving down the street in this moment, or this lie pops up in my head, I, you know, the scripture tells us to take every thought captive and you take that thought and you surrender it at the cross. And for me, I'm a very, visual person. So when a thought comes up or a moment comes up, I act like in my mind, I've wrapped that up in, in something. And I picture the cross and I picture myself offering that there at the cross and putting it where it's supposed to go, putting it in obedience and, um, to what Christ says. And it's a process that you have to do. Sometimes we think we could just Oh, hand something to someone else and it's gone. And, but the enemy doesn't work that way. He wants to keep bringing that up. And so sometimes surrender is a continual process to keep handing something over, keep surrendering it at the cross, keep placing it there. And then it becomes a, um, a natural thing to do that more and more often, but it's something that we have to put into practice. And often we want the easy route of surrender of, um, of, I just want to give this up one time and then I've done, I'm done, but surrender like I said, is a process and that we sometimes have to keep doing that. And it's okay to have to keep doing it. It's okay to have to be, I thought I already surrendered that, but I'll do it again. There's nothing wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you didn't surrender it right the first time, because that's another lie from the enemy, but just keep that process of constant surrender every day, every moment. And then over time, you'll realize I'm completely free from that thing. That's so good. You know, that could set someone free today. If you're listening and there's something that, as Morgan said, just keeps coming in your mind, you think, I've already dealt with that, but it has come back again. Surrender, as she said, is something you have to do in the daily. And and I would add to that, that when we surrender in faith, the feelings will follow. Don't let feelings dictate to you whether you've surrendered or not. Right. You do it with the will and with your mind. And you say, in Jesus name, I give this over to you, God. It's too much for me, Lord. Yeah. Help me in this. And when we do the right thing and trust God to take our right choice and bear fruit. But I like how you said put into practice, too, because bottom line is it's like we're all practicing. Right. <laughs> I think about I think about doctors and they say that they're practicing medicine. I'm like, you got that right. I mean, (laughs) a lot of times they don't know what they're doing, Uh, not to be busting on them, but you know, sometimes you feel like you're a guinea pig. Well, let's try this medicine. Yeah. But we, but we know God's word won't return void. Right. And so we know that even though we're practicing and we're just trying to walk out this walk of faith, God's word is true. And so we have this compass in our hands to help guide us as we surrender. And as we're seeking to come to this place of saying, I want to see God's goodness with this. And even with this in these hard places. So this is a, I believe transformational for people. So each of your chapters reveals something about God's goodness. And I really like how this is put together. Uh, Tell me about the first chapter. My goodness is honey. Yes, I I um, I love every chapter, but I think I put this one first because it I think it is a really captivating chapter. I love this chapter so much. Um, it was really a revelation for me as I was as I was writing it. Um, you know, 
in the scripture, honey represents God's promises, the promises that God had given to the Israelites when the Israelites were in, um, in Egypt, he said, I'm going to take you to a land filled with overflowing with milk and honey. So there's this promise that was awaiting them. So, um, honey represents promises and, and God has spoken promises over each one of us. Maybe it was from a child, you know, something, some, something was revealed to you from your childhood, or even now as an adult, God has promise purpose and promise for each one of us. And, but sometimes, um, life happens and we start to feel like those promises start to, uh, fade and maybe they'll never come to fruition, but God's goodness is like honey that sustains us, that brings illumination to our, our hearts and our minds to remind us of the promises he's given us and that he is good to fulfill them in each one of our lives. And in this chapter, I reflect on Samson and Samson kills a, a, a lion. And then later there's this lion's dead carcass there. And Samson notices bees swarming this line and he reaches in this carcass and finds past the bees and past the dead thing and reaches in and finds honey. And it's so, um, so um, true in our lives that there are dead moments. There are sittings that seeming that seem very, very dead, but inside those moments, inside those dark things, past the swarm of bees, past the thing that appears dead, there's still a promise. There's still goodness waiting there. But Samson had to be brave enough to, which seems silly because he was brave enough to kill the lion, but he still had to reach past and into that thing to find goodness. And I think that we have to do that sometimes. We, we can't be afraid to confront the hard thing, um, the dark thing. And because inside there, there are still promises. God's goodness is still there and his promises are still true. So good. And I think a lot of times what the enemy seeks to do and even our own flesh really is get distracted by all the problems. We keep our eye on the problems, mm. you know, on, on the waves instead of on the promises. Yeah. And uh, so that's such a good reminder. I love the title of your second chapter. My goodness is absolute. God's goodness is something we can count on. His character is flawless. So how did this aspect of God's goodness meet you in your time of need? Right. I, I think that, you know, that we, we, you mentioned this briefly earlier, but the enemy does anything to kind of distort or destroy, you know, attempt to destroy the character of God. And that includes mm. him being absolute, him being absolute. So the enemy can come in and, and in you know, shoot a fiery dart, shoot a lie our way that causes us to think that God is an absolute, then it starts to shake um, our foundation. And, you know, after all these, you know, if you look at creation and look at Genesis and all the things that he created and that are written in Genesis, all those things are still standing today. This, everything is in place. The earth, the, the universe is still in place. And that is a sign that his, that he is our absolute goodness that all he is with his word, with his goodness, he is holding everything in place and grasping this reality um, solidified to me that he is absolute, our only absolute, the bedrock, the foundation that is never shaken. And when we're in a low moment in our grief or in our trauma. Um, you know, and if you're having a panic attack, they tell you to think about something that is, you know, foundational solid to kind of bring you back down. But this, realizing that the absolute goodness of God is, um, our bedrock of truth. That's where we, you know, when we feel like we're hitting rock bottom, that's the bottom that we hit. And then we find he is absolute and he, we find that he is everything that we need and that his goodness is there to sustain us. And, um, my dad, I write about this a little bit in the book, but my dad always said, people will tell you there are no absolutes in life, but that within itself is an absolute 
And he would say, you know, you'll <laughs> absolutely never become an alcoholic if you never drink a drop of alcohol or things like that. And those are true, absolute, but those are founded on, you know, you, you, they're the only real guarantee absolute we have in life is that God is good and he is going to take care of us again, going back to, if we surrender our life, if we surrender moments to him and know that we are not in control, but he is absolutely in control and he is still good. Uh, I love that. And you know, God is holding everything in place. I like how you were talking about that. He can handle our burdens then. Yeah. But, but I think we have to address our unbelief in this. And we're going to get to that point in a few minutes, but that, that is the biggest obstacle, I think, to believing in God's absoluteness. Mm-hmm. And um, so your third point is my goodness goes before. One of your opening questions in the book was, where was God in the face of a traumatic loss you experienced? I think this third point is such an answer to that question. God goes before us, but there's also a lurking, something lurking in the back of our minds. If God goes before why couldn't he or why didn't he stop whatever it was? So how does my goodness go before comfort someone in that place of just wishing they could have avoided the biggest sorrow of their life? Right. I, you know, I mentioned kind of this question of like, why did it before, like why God didn't stop this or why does he allow these things to happen? And that's such a tough question. And, um, why didn't he stop this? And, um, you know, I think at some point in everyone's life, they come across this, this, it hits them and they have to come across this, this, this question. And honestly, when I was in my, in the darkest part of my grief and in my, um, struggle with fear, I was not fond of the answer because of free will. Um, and I don't think mm-hmm. that offering the answer sometimes helps grieving people in the moment, but the reality is there is free will in this world. And that is a very, that is very accurate. Um, people have free will to do and God can't intervene because we do get to make choices, but that does not change the fact that the scripture says he goes before us. So if we, he doesn't always change the situation the way we think he should, or the way we want him to, but we know that he has gone before us and the comfort should come in the concept and the idea that God, his goodness is already there. It's been there. It's there to meet you. It's already been working and he is not caught off guard. So when we show up at these awful and traumatic and painful moments in our life, we're caught off guard. But if we remember that his goodness goes before us, we are reminded that he's already there. He's already been there. It's not shaking him. He's not trying to come back in, come up and be like, oh, we got to fix this mess. He's already working and moving. And that's where our comfort should come from. It may not look and feel the way we want it to look and feel, but know that our comfort should come from, he has been there. He's gone before us and he is already working and he's not caught off guard. So good. His goodness is already there. I I feel like there's some people listening today who would say, I do not see anything good in this circumstance. And let's be clear, the circumstance itself is probably not good. Right. You know, there, there's probably nothing there that it seems redeemable, but God, you know, he uses all things together for our good in his glory, uh-huh. even those things that just seem impossible. That's what makes him so amazing. Right. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. You know, nothing is too difficult for him, mm-hmm. but we are not glossing over pain. 
that anyone's going through. We are trying to provide comfort in that pain that right there at that place at the worst day of your life, God's goodness is still there and already there. I like how you said that. And your next point follows so well. My goodness follows. It reminds me of Psalm 139, verse five. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. So how does God's goodness following us comfort us? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I said this, I think I, I'm a very visual person. And so as I was writing this chapter and, um, you know, I'm reminded of oftentimes we, we are moving in a direction and like our life comes to a screeching halt. And if we come to, you know, if you're driving down the road and you come to a quick stop, there's cars probably falling quickly behind about to, to run into you. But if we imagine that God's, God's goodness like that, it is following so closely behind. It is desperately wanting to run into the situation that we are, are facing when our lives feel like they've come to a complete halt. No, it's important that we know that his goodness is quickly following and it is there to protect us. And in, in the Exodus, when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, it said a crowd, a, a cloud, um, came before and after them and it offered a form of protection. And, and so his goodness comes behind us, protecting us. Um, offering peace, um, even amid the darkest, darkest moments. And, or even, you know, if we are headed one direction and we're not supposed to be headed that direction, his goodness is still following us. And if we turn around and we find repentance and we run, we run straight into his, into his goodness. And, you know, life can have a way of making it feel like it's moving in the opposite direction of promises. I think of David, David served in Saul's court. And then he found, you know, that was not where God had promised him to be. And then he finds himself running from Saul, the complete opposite direction of the throne that was entitled to him. And it feels like our life is moving the opposite direction of what God intended for it to be, but his goodness is there guiding us and following us. And um, it's there to overwhelm us when these moments feel like we're going the opposite direction um, of life. We can run straight into his goodness. Love it. So the last point of yours I want to share on this episode, y'all going to have to come back next week and hear the rest, uh, is your goodness is guidance. Can you elaborate on this? Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that is critical in a believer's life is knowing that God is involved in every detail of our lives. He cares about every moment. Um, So I think oftentimes we can be guilty of be like, God, bless my day or take care of my family is very broad um, ideas. But when we know that he wants to care about, he cares about every detail, every decision, every turn, every dollar you spend, every business decision you make, when we know that he cares about all of these things and he, he wants to reveal his goodness in those so that we make the best decision, it, it helps us know that his goodness is guiding us. And he wants us to stay on the path he's determined for us. He wants to help us navigate this, this world, um, that we're in. And, you know, I, I write about a dream I had, and I, I want everyone to pick up the book and read this dream. Cause I think you'll kind of, part of it is comical, but this dream became so real. And later I realized God, God gave me this dream to help me know what was going to have happen, um, in the future. And I don't want that to sound crazy or weird, but God is good to speak to us and reveal things to us so that we can make the best decisions moving forward for the things he has planned for us. And, and so, um, you know, 
I talk about a GPS in this chapter, you know, a GPS will tell you, turn right here, turn left here, but it'll even give you details like make a slight right. And God wants to tell you details about your life. His goodness wants to guide you into little details that can help change the trajectory and keep you on the path to the purpose that he's given you. And um, so I think it's important that we know that God's goodness wants to guide us, but it's a matter of us hearing his voice and obeying that guidance that's offered to us. Mm, definitely. You know, we have to respond to God's goodness. You know, yeah. he, he is good. And if we don't respond to that goodness, we can miss out on experiencing what God wants to do in our life. So Morgan, it has been such a joy to discuss God's goodness with you. This just creates real gratitude in our hearts, doesn't it? So Morgan, can you share how our listeners can find you? Yes, you can find me on Facebook and Google Morgan Sug on or you search Morgan Sug um, or at, I think it's at Morgan Sug Writer. And then on Instagram at Morgan Sug, you can go to my website, morgansug.com um, to find details about Flourish Gathering or even the Passover Project. And um, you can also follow um, my podcast at Flourish, it's Flourish Podcast and it's on, you know, all your major um, podcasting sites. Awesome. Listen in next week as we continue this discussion in five more ways that God's goodness is displayed. Like the leper who returned to say thank you, we are learning about just how good our God is and the need that we have to respond to his goodness. He is worthy of praise. You've been listening to the Sing Deep podcast where we dive into the word of God for the answers to life's problems.